Jerry Gray is returning, so the Falcons' secondary should remain the biggest strength of their defense if they can find the right pieces this offseason. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, who are helping you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On NFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash Locked On NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So, guys, if you do not know me, I'm your humble host. Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Sirius Black, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Mr. A.k.a. And I, of course, been covering the Falcons for far too long, formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP, still going strong on this illustrious podcast. And I appreciate each and every one of you that is an everydayer, right? And all you got to do to become an everydayer to make this podcast your first listener, your first watch is to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode is another one where we'll be breaking down the senior bowl standouts on day two of the practice. As you can tell, coming at you from an undisclosed location here in Mobile, Alabama, got some eyes on the trenches on day two, and we'll focus on that. But we won't forget about the quarterbacks and receivers that stood out, and we'll get into that. But the news of the day as we continue to follow the coaching cycle with the Falcons hiring of Raheem Morris as he continues to fill out his coaching staff and the Falcons officially announced some moves, uh, including those retentions that we've already talked about on the podcast, such as TJ Yates going from wide receiver coach to quarterback coach, Dwayne Ledford, the offensive line coach, now adding run game coordinator to his duties and titles and Michael Petrie, the running backs coach. And again, we talked about it earlier this week how this new staff under Raheem Morris is basically looking at the run game with Ledford, with Petrie, and saying, if it ain't broke, we don't got to fix it. And they're going to come in here and try to elevate this passing game and moving TJ Yates to coach his more natural uh, you know, position at the quarterback position is part of that strategy. But other retentions, retentions, I should say, were announced today on Wednesday, which was Dave Huxtable, their senior defensive assistant, as well as Jer Jerry Gray, uh, being stayed over as like the you know coach of the defense or whatever his official title they also announced some coaching operations folks right and those people have uh, important roles to the team but we're not too concerned with them here on lockdown falcons that's more like logistical issues that the coaching staff not necessarily things that were represented on the field and that's what we focus on here on this illustrious podcast the th sort of things on the field no offense to the steve skarnekias and um the other folks. But let's talk about Jerry Gray's retention, right? And this was a good move by uh, Raheem Morris coming in here. Now, 
I'm not this sort of Jerry Gray is like the the secret to our success. I've seen a lot of people in recent weeks and months sort of being like, oh, Jerry Gray was the key ingredient for the Falcons defensive turnaround more so than Ryan Nielsen. And it's understandable why people think that because we talked about how the Falcons secondary was kind of the strength of this defense when they were playing at such a high level for the first half of the season. Although, again, I think the cornerback play where Steve Jackson, the former uh, secondary coach was focused on and Jerry Gray more with the safeties had more to do with that secondary being a strength. And part of the reason why things kind of fizzled is because some choices were made, you know, Jeff Okuda getting swapped out, D. Alford getting swapped out at that cornerback position. And so the defense wasn't quite as strong at the end of the year, in my humble opinion, as they were earlier in the season in part due to that cornerback position. But we know Jerry Gray is a very capable coach. Right. We know him alongside Raheem Morris with his background coaching DBs, Jimmy Lake, the new defensive coordinator, his background coaching DBs. The expectation should be that once again, the secondary is going to be the strength of this defense, but it depends heavily on the Falcons addressing some holes in their secondary. Right. Given question marks surrounding Jeff Okuda and his impending free agent status, do the Falcons go out there and upgrade that outside cornerback spot with someone who's a long-term solution there, given the revolving door opposite A.J. Terrell for the last four seasons? Do the Falcons go out there and upgrade that safety spot where Richie Grant was a disappointment, which is part of the reason why like, I'm not sitting here and saying Jerry Gray did an incredible job because Richie Grant kind of fizzled this year as a starter at that position do the falcons go out there and upgrade that spot this offseason so i think if you can add two new starters on the secondary you know things are really looking up we know aj terrell's really good d alford played really well when he was allowed to play um in that nickel cornerback spot and of course jesse bates the (coughs) excuse me the all pro safety uh doing what he did but you know we talk about the back end hopefully securing that with a coaching standpoint, just need to add some personnel standpoint, but we know, right, the front end also needs to be addressed and hopefully that uh, gets addressed on from the personnel standpoint, but from the coaching standpoint, the Falcons also named Jay Rogers, their new defensive line coach, and he spent the last de- decade plus coaching with the Chargers, the Bears, the, the Broncos, last three years with the Chargers, six prior years with the Bears during those Fangio, uh, Jack Del Rio, John Fox days in Denver um, as well for three years. Um, and with... Um, Rodgers, he coached some and developed some really good players, uh, not so much with the Chargers, but with the Bears, he overlapped with the Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols years. Akeem Hicks had his sort of career renaissance under Rodgers' uh, tutelage in Chicago. Denver obviously helped develop Derek Wolf. Malik Jackson began his career there. Sylvester Williams, solid players for the Broncos. Obviously, I think Jackson sort of made his big jump after Rodgers' departure. You note those teams have some very good edge rushers and Von Miller, Demarcus Ware, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Joey Bosa over the last 10, 12 years. Now, I wouldn't necessarily give Rodgers credit for developing those guys because pretty much every one of those guys had already sort of established themselves as a top flight pass rusher before they were coached by Jay Rogers. But you can certainly maybe give Jay Rogers a little bit of credit for helping those guys continue to, to be, you know, productive edge rushers. And so we'll see what that goes. Now, for me, you know, looking at some of the issues that those various D lines had in in the Rodgers eras and 
you know, the Chargers were infamous for not being able to stop the run. The Bears had good defenses as well. How much of that is Fangio? How much you want to give credit for Rodgers? Um, Denver also had a good defense in those times. So, you know, I look at Rodgers from a standpoint of maybe he's probably a step back from Ryan Nielsen, at least based off of his body of work. When you look at the success Ryan Nielsen had in New Orleans, um, coaching up those defenses, which were much more front-driven, uh, uh, given their strengths of those defenses, and not to say that these uh, Chargers, um, Bears, and, and Broncos teams weren't, but you know, I think Ryan Nielsen's body of work is a little bit more promising. So I feel like Rodgers is probably not a coach on that level, but certainly I think has done more than enough to say that he is a capable D line coach. The Falcons should continue to develop some of their young players like a Zach Harrison, and you know, you have Dave Huxtable alongside him. He was one of like four coaches that the Falcons had that were alongside Ryan Nielsen coaching and working with that D line throughout the season. So. I know one inevitable question that people are going to ask is sort of what does this mean for, you know, the three, four versus the four, three and Rogers has coached both in Denver. They had a four man front in Chicago and LA. They were more of a three, four unit. They're going to be a hybrid front. I know when Raheem Morris probably gets up in, in front of the podium on Monday for his introductory press conference, someone's going to ask him, you know, are you going to go three, four, four, three, and knowing how these coaches go, they will be non-committal and they'll say, we'll do both and we'll be hybrid. And we've talked about that time and time again over the last, couple of years that so many teams deploy hybrid fronts the falcons have been a hybrid front under ryan nielsen under dean pease under dan quinn it doesn't really change it's just the falcons have the personnel they want to run three four looks they can do that they want to run four three looks they can do that it just kind of depends you know the the coverage kind of dictates a little bit on how you're sort of running your fronts down and distance all that stuff so you you can wear many different hats and so if I had to guess, the probably the Falcons may lean a little bit more three four like they were under Dean Pease prior to Ryan Nielsen's arrival last year, uh, but they'll run a mix of both, and I don't think that's going to be a major issue. So we'll see uh, how that goes. But we'll talk a little bit more about some of the guys that Rogers could potentially be coaching here in Atlanta, given some very talented offensive and defensive linemen, you know, sort of showed out on day two of the Senior Bowl as well as you know. Some guys that Dwayne Ledford might have his eye on as well. And we'll break down sort of uh, who sort of stood out on day two of senior bowl practice in the trenches as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. So at the start of every new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that's going to take my business to the next level in 2024? And LinkedIn Jobs has you. If only a big business like the Atlanta Falcons had a LinkedIn Jobs. But I think the Falcons did all right finding Raheem Morris. But LinkedIn is here to find you the right people to find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It isn't just any old job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion, a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Imagine if the Falcons, instead of interviewing 14 people, they interviewed billions of people for their head coaching jobs. But that's what makes hiring easy when you have that many quality candidates at LinkedIn jobs. It's so easy that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs is going to help you find a qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
And DoorDash is going to be very crucial for you guys in the coming days and weeks. It's absolutely crucial for me down here in Mobile. I know my guy Jarvis was using it the other night when he was, you know, tired from a long day of traveling and needed to get something in his belly, right? But for your upcoming watch party for your big game, you might be looking at ordering pizza, wings, soda, beer, nachos, burgers, chips, dip, all that you crave. It's all available to you with DoorDash. And maybe you just got all that stuff already prepared and you just forgot the buns, right? DoorDash has got you covered so that you can kick back and not stress before kickoff. They have the unbeatable deals on everything from groceries, restaurants, retail, and more. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. Just download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23. Subject to change, terms apply. Don't forget to use that code LOCK23 for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more. Subject to change, terms apply. So continuing today's Locked On Falcons, want to plug the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel right here on YouTube, the first of its kind, giving you the biggest stories across all the leagues, nationally, globally, right? That's what Locked On Sports Today is bringing you, global sports updates. But if you're looking for more local flavor, check out Locked On Sports Atlanta's 24-7 streaming channel here on YouTube, Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So let's talk trenches, guys. And my general observations as I was keyed in on day two of senior bowl practice, watching sort of the one-on-ones from the offensive linemen and defensive linemen after sort of missing that on day one, focusing more on the quarterbacks and the skill position players. Um, My general observations watching more of the one-on-ones was that the national offensive linemen tended to fare better in their one-on-one reps while the American team defensive linemen seemed to win the majority of their reps uh, in that second practice. Now, some of the national offensive linemen that stood out to me, and really on for both practices, the interior guys kind of popped to me for the national team. Jackson Powers Johnson, the Oregon center, continues to shine. And today he got quite a bit of work at guard. Dominique Puny, the Kansas left tackle, was taking reps at center. I thought did a pretty good job, so you'll like to see that potential transition. Charles Turner from LSU, another center in college, did get some reps at guard. And despite only being like 300 pounds, I thought he did a really good job holding up against some of the power that he saw. And so that's intriguing. Javion Cohen, the Miami guard, uh, three-year starter at left guard position, as I've seen sort of consistently pop in those one-on-ones and really hold his own uh, from a strength standpoint, which is something that you want to see. Now, the tackles here at the Senior Bowl, oh, they're sort of the big names. There's a couple of guys here, like um, the BYU kid, Kingsley Sua Mataya, I think, um, he popped a couple of times today, but you have Tyler Guyton out of Oklahoma. You have Patrick Paul out of Houston. You have Italia Fuaga out of Oregon State. There's probably a couple of other guys that I'm forgetting as well. But there's like four or five guys down here in Mobile that some people think are have the potential to be first-round picks. Some people even think that they could be top 10, top 12 types of talent. And while I wouldn't necessarily say, you know, I'd have to go back and look at the one-on-ones is basically what I'm saying to sort of see who sort of really has stood out to me uh, from that tackle position. I've seen some flashes and and what I've liked to see. There are a lot of big physical guys in that regard. But, you know, for me, when I look at this Falcons needs on the offensive line, offensive tackle to me is the priority, right? We 
I think they need to get better depth across the board on their offensive line, interior and exterior. But that swing tackle position to me is really important uh, to to really watch. And so I'm going to go back through the one-on-one film that I got uh, and look at some of these offensive tackles to see who pops in the pass protection. And then probably we'll have to wait until we get to more actual game film from the college football season to see how these guys fit in the run scheme because we know the Falcons have that sort of specific run scheme in the outside zone scheme that, you know, it's going to matter. And I don't think the senior bowl does a great job of, you know, it's not a knock on the senior bowl, but like this is not the place to sort of see how guys operate in the run game. This is really about can you hold up in, in one-on-ones and pass protection more so than anything uh, as far as the run goes. But I'm intrigued uh, by that. And the tackle position might be particularly important, you know, to upgrade because, you know, in a, in, in a possible future where the Falcons – you know, invest in a young left-handed quarterback that may or may not be down here in Mobile in the form of Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington. You know, I don't know if you feel good about Kayla McGarry protecting that guy's blind side. So you might be looking for more of a good pass protecting right tackle as opposed to Kayla McGarry, who's much more of a run blocking sort of guy. So that is something I definitely am keeping my eye on as the week unfolds and as the, you know, pre-draft weeks continue to roll. But Shifting gears from the offensive line, let's talk a little bit about the pass rush, right? And there have been guys that have consistently popped on both days when I've gotten the chance to watch, and especially today on day two. The national squad doesn't quite have as much beef as the American team does, but Duke's Dwayne Carter, I think, continues to be impressive. 6'2", 308, has experience playing one tech in college, but I think has the burst and quickness to also play that three technique role. So a versatile piece that you can kind of mix and match if you're playing a hybrid front, whether you want him to play that one or that three tech. But the American pass rushers really stood out to me. McKinley Jackson uh, is very explosive and powerful. The Texas A&M D tackle, 6'2", 330 pounds, very explosive, very powerful in the one-on-ones. Tavondre Sweat out of Texas, who's 6'4", we don't know what his weight is. Everybody thinks it's over 360. He was bullying guys, and when you have that size, you expect him to bully guys, and he absolutely did that. Um, the question is going to be, can he play at that size in the pros? And it's funny because I was I, I linked up with uh, Locked On Eagles co-host Louis DiBiase in between practices, and we were talking about the Eagles and the Falcons and all that stuff, and we were talking about Jordan Davis and sort of the inconsistency that he, Jordan Davis has had. And so, you know, like Davis, Sweat has sort of intriguing, tantalizing tools, but, you know, we might have to have a similar conversation about Sweat in terms of, you know, maybe him dropping 30, 40 pounds in order to really trust him to be a full, you know, three down player or even a reliable two down player. That's the problem with Jordan Davis. He's a two down player, but he hasn't been consistent for an entire season. You just kind of get bursts of him playing at a high level. Um, other guys that stood out on today's one-on-ones, on the American team were Braden Fisk out of Florida State, Justin Eboibi, I think is how you pronounce his name, out of Alabama, and Darius Robinson out of Missouri. And all these guys, when you listed their listed weight, they're like 6'4", 6'5", in that two, you know, Robinson's like 286, Fisk and um, Eboibi are like 292, 295. But Robinson has that sort of classic 5-tech, 3-4 defensive end build at 6'5", 286, over 7-foot wingspan. I haven't really watched his film, but he's been a guy that's gotten a lot of buzz this week. I know at Missouri this past year, he mo- he played more of a true edge. Previous years, he was more of a interior guy. 
Um, so, you know, I'll be intrigued to go back and, and dip into the film for him. Fisk is more of that sort of penetrating style. He doesn't have necessarily the link that you would love as a quote unquote classic 3 4 defensive end. And a boy be coming from Alabama, you know, he's uh, experienced playing in a hybrid sort of front. So, those are two, three guys that really sort of popped to me in the one on ones. But we'll see sort of what develops in the coming days and weeks. Cause obviously some of these guys that we're talking about are going to be this priority guys that I, cause I haven't really watched any offensive or defensive lineman film. I know it's a shock. That's all I care about in the previous drafts, but you know, I haven't really dipped, dove into those guys yet. And some of these guys that have been popping so far on days one and two that I've mentioned on the podcast are going to be the guys that I prioritize when I go back and do watch some of the film of these guys in the coming weeks after this senior bowl but these are some intriguing players we know the falcons need to continue to beef up in the trenches and maybe some of these guys are guys that we're talking about in may and june and whatever that we're sitting here going hey jay rogers can do some work with some of these pass rushers in this sort of three four four three hybrid front and i think a lot of these guys have some versatility to play in this sort of hybrid front so those are some names to keep an eye on we'll wrap up today's episode talking uh, about the quarterbacks as well as some of the receivers that stood out and why I'm all about that speed, speed, speed. Uh, and we'll get into all of that, guys, as we wrap up today's Locked on Falcons. So prize picks is the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. And they now have a specials league with basketball season here. It's a league created specifically for combination projections for two or more players from different sports and leagues, right? You can combine NBA, college basketball. We only got one more NFL game that you can combine, but I know prize picks is going to have some great specials uh, for that big game coming up. NHL is still got you. So you can combine three pointers, shots on goal, touchdowns, all that stuff and more. If you have the skills, you can tune. Turn $10 into $250. Prize picks is simple to play. You just pick two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats. And that's the beauty of prize picks is you're just you versus projections, not you versus any player. And the more entries you make, the more money you can make up to 25 times your money, right? It's all why prize picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Just go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL in lowercase for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Promo code locked on NFL. Prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. So, wrapping up today's Lockdown Falcons, we're going to wrap up with more thoughts on the quarterbacks on day two. But of course, for your first lesson tomorrow, we'll sort of do day three observations, probably do some risers or fallers or whatever. It's just based off of my observations of, over the course of the week, guys that really helped themselves. Probably one of those players we'll be talking about is Quinion Mitchell, the cornerback out of Toledo who continues to ball out um, throughout the week. Um, now, talking about the quarterbacks, I wasn't as locked in on the national team quarterbacks the first practice as I was on the day before where I came out and said, you know, Michael Penix Jr. was the best guy. Uh, but, you know, I thought for the most part, all three guys, Penix out of Washington, Bo Nix out of Oregon, Sam Hartman out of Notre Dame, they were okay. You know, nothing eye-popping, nothing like, oh, oh, that's intriguing in the ways that we saw on yesterday's practice. Maybe you can make the case that Bo Nix sort of made up some ground on Michael Penix because of that reason. But, you know, Bo Nix is one of those guys that just never really pops <laughs> in practice. Like, he's just kind of like, he's fine. You know, I don't think the Senior Bowl is really a great place for Bo Nix to really wow you from the eyeball test. I think really, you know, these guys are going to win you over in the interview rooms more so than what they do on the practice field. But the thing from a quarterback standpoint that 
quarterback standpoint that did stand out to me was that I thought the American quarterback did look better in that second practice, right? All four of those guys, whether we're talking about Spencer Rattler out of South Carolina, Joe Milton out of Tennessee, Michael Pratt out of Tulane, and Carter Bradley out of South Alabama, they looked more settled. They looked calm, cooler, right? They showed more accuracy, the better touch and placement uh, on on many of their throws, right? I thought it was too scattershot on day one. They looked sort of amped up, you know, not necessarily comfortable. And they looked more comfortable on day two. So that was nice to see. And we'll see if, you know, any of those guys can continue that trend or upward on day three. And we can sort of sit here and say, hey, that guy got better as the week wore on. And that's something that you like to see from a quarterback, especially if you're trying to develop a guy and you're saying, hey, the more reps he gets, the better he plays. That's something to keep an eye on. Now, Talking about the guys that they were throwing the football to, right? You know, I sung the praises of Lad McConkey on day one out of Georgia, the Georgia wide receiver. I'll sing the praises of Michigan wide receiver Roman Wilson for day two. He is consistently uh, popped to me. Jamari Thrash out of Louisville is another player that has sort of made some nice plays throughout the week. And I've liked what I've seen. Uh, a receiver that hasn't quite lived up to some of the expectations I had going into the week because he was getting some top 50 billing and hype going into the week is Tez Walker, the UNC wide receiver. But the one thing that Tez Walker has shown down here, and that's something that I do value, is speed, right? Uh, he was a player on a couple of reps, was able to create that vertical separation when he could stack that corner behind him, get past that guy, and then create that separation when the ball is in the air. And so you like to see that from guys that are vertical threats. He had the highest GPS speed um, with twenty over 21 miles per hour on day one of practices, and that tracks from based off of what we saw in terms of that vertical stretch ability. And so, you know, I haven't been in love with the rest of his game, beating press, getting separation on some of the other routes, but at least on the vertical stuff, he is, you know, showing me things that I want to see. And that's something that I want to see because I believe that the Falcons need to get faster at the wide receiver position. Anytime someone, you know, throws some sort of contested catch guy that, you know, the Falcons could use. I just, you know, I'm like, ugh, I just throw up a little bit in my mouth or whatever the case may be, you know, someone, you know, it was spitballing me like, Hey, what about T Higgins in Atlanta? And I'm like, as much as I love T Higgins, I'm just like, I need a guy that can stretch a defense. I don't, you know, I don't need another contested catch guy as much as I love T Higgins, let him go somewhere else or stay in Cincinnati and prosper. We need someone that can speed, 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 speed. I've talked about it before when you're building a receiver core, same thing with building a pass rush, right? You want complementary skill sets. You can't just have pure speed guys or pure power guys. You want to mix and match when it comes to pass rush. And the same thing with the receiver core. It's like building a basketball team, right? You can't just have nothing but front court players. You know, you can, I think, historically saying that you probably go small ball if we're continuing the basketball analogy and have a lot more, you know, wings and guards and whatnot than you have front court uh, guys. But that's been the Falcons' problem to me is that they went all in on the size and people were like, oh, you know, we got Alden Tate and Brian Edwards and Mac Collins and then we got so much size, no one can guard us. And it's like, yeah, they can, guys. Right? Clearly, that is not the way to go. Getting more size, get more speed out there on the field. Let's stretch defense. Let's generate explosive plays. That's where this team needs to get better. And so, you know, seeing some of these guys being able to separate, like the Lad McConkeys, the Roman Wilsons, the Tez Walkers, getting that vertical separation. Those are the guys that I have my eyes on throughout the week. Those are the guys that I'm looking at. So we'll see, you know, who else emerges on day three and what we'll be talking about as your first listen tomorrow. We'll probably be talking about some risers and fallers as well. Check out Locked On NFL Draft. They're 
you know, Damian Pierce and Keith Sanchez are giving you those updates all week long. They have way more insights into this draft class than I do. I'm just, you know, sitting here, you know, trying to keep my head above water, uh, catching up at this point in time. So check out those guys as your second listen. Check out Locked On NFL if you want to get the latest on what's going on around the league. Check out Locked On Seahawks if you want to hear what's going on with the Mike McDonald hire. Locked On Commanders for what's going on in their coaching search. Are they going to get Dan Quinn? Oh, wow. That's a intriguing or interesting uh unexpected uh turn of events locked on lions for what's going on with ben johnson locked on chiefs locked on um 49ers as well to get you guys geared up for the big game it's all part of locked on podcast network your team every day